welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly doof network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back to talk about Little Shop of Horrors, which was prescribed by Aqua Buddha, one of our listeners. Um, thank you, Buddha. Genuinely thank you, yeah. because I really liked this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, do you want to launch into the plot summary, Ruben? Yeah. Uh, I, you've, got, yeah. You've, you've written better notes than I did, so, so you should take the wheel. So here's the plot. Um, we follow, uh, we follow a man called Seymour who is living in Skid Row in New York, I think. I assume I New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like slums and he basically dreams of getting out of here. Uh, but he works for this, in this flower shop and it's obviously a bit of a dead end job and he's got a bit of a dead end life until one day he finds a strange plant um, and this plant starts to turn his life around because it's of a type nobody has seen before. People all over the world come to start seeing this plant. Um, and he takes off and becomes a celebrity. Um, and he, the problem is, of course, because there is a problem. The problem is <laughs> this plant uh, only feasts on human blood. Um, so he starts off by bleeding himself to feed the plant and then eventually um, kind of accidentally feeds people to the plant. And um, then eventually... Well. I, I, well, wouldn't, I wouldn't have said it no, was an accident. Well, yeah. He feeds people that have accidentally died around him to the plant, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it turns out, spoiler alert, this plant is actually an alien here to take over the world. And then it does. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, yeah, that's that's the that's the short version of it for sure. Um it's yeah. it's such a like I think my favorite... There is more to it than that, but that's the <laughs> that's the one minute plot summary, right? Yeah. Um I, I think my favorite bit is just how kind of the reason it seems that he ended up with the plant is because collecting weird plants is his hobby. Yes. Which is just such like <laughs> and I think I like that's just such a great example of how wacky this story is. Yeah, it is very wacky. Um it basically functions as a bit of a parody of musicals, I would say. Like, it feels like it's satirizing other mu- musicals. Specifically, I think there's a lot of Sweeney Todd allusions here, um, because it's literally a shop where there's a secret murder, you know, thing going on, which is basically Sweeney Todd. Um, but it it it's just so fun. It's just such a fun musical, right? Yeah, like if it is meant to be satirizing it, it's indulging in those yes, like, exactly tropes as much as it is satirizing them. Yes, it's very lovingly kind of making fun of musicals in my mind. Um, there's a scene that really solidified this to me, which is um, the shop is is in hard times, and so they, uh, him and the, the uh, love interest whose name is Audrey, um, and Seymour kind of has a crush on her, and she has a crush on him, but because of circumstances, they they haven't gotten together. Uh, but he's told her about this strange plant and she suggests to Mr. Mushnik, the guy who runs and owns the flower shop, hey, what if we put uh, Seymour's weird plant in the window and that might draw people in? And of course, that's an insane idea. So Mr. Mushnik says, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then they do it and immediately somebody walks in and he goes, hi, I just saw that plant in the window and I'd love to come in and check it out. Oh, and while I'm here, I'll buy a hundred roses. And it's so obviously like ridiculous. (laughs) Like he's even got this like, I mean, he looks like an alien. Like, if this is an alien invasion, there's a read on this movie where this guy is just, like, one of the aliens that's there to, like, <laughs> seed the, the takeover a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, this movie doesn't bother um, 
being subtle about anything, including its contrivances. Yes. It um, lets itself be a Broadway musical, and yeah. everyone who's watching it obviously wants it to be that, and so it's <laughs> fine, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, as we sort of touched on before, it's indulging in being as ridiculous as it can be. Um, as yeah. Just, and I mean, like, a lack of subtlety is something that I think touches every aspect yes. of, of well, the, <laughs> the film. Um, Audrey yeah. in particular. Yes, she's incredible. I, I was going to bring up one example, which is so that the example I just talked about, the guy who walks in is clearly like fresh off of stage. Um, he is not a subtle joke, but uh, one that I thought was a bit more subtle and I really liked was Audrey's arm is broken at one point yeah. and she's just got a fishnet cast. <laughs> like the, and it's never commented on that her cast is not made out of cast it's fishnet but she just has a fishnet cast and nobody seems to comment on it it's ridiculous and i love it yeah yeah she's um and i mean you know i I think it partially works as well because you know she's meant to be like an insecure person so it all it it actually sort of comes up um, she's very much a ditzy kind of archetype yeah but she's almost she's almost trying to be as well because yeah, she's, she's got it in her head that that's the only way she she can find success, and and that kind of counterbalances with like Seymour's own sort of related issues. Like they're both insecure people, uh, and that and that's just like so she kind of objectifies herself. Yes, um, I, I guess because she she thinks that's what she's meant to do. Um, yeah, and and <laughs> I think the story I mean, does a good job of having fun with it while also kind of you know sort of saying this isn't what she has to do. Yeah, I mean the. Actually, Audrey's very interesting because she's in this, everything in this movie is dart up to 11, right? And so she's in this <laughs> dart up to 11 abusive relationship, which is cartoonishly yeah. abusive. Um, and she, her, you kind of start thinking, oh, okay, her journey. And what she thinks her journey kind of is, is falling in love with Seymour and being like redeemed by him, which is very much like an old school musical kind of thing. And they're, they, they, say it so explicitly that it is just them making fun of the idea that this girl needs to be redeemed by a different <laughs> man. Like, it was so over the top that I was just like, well, they're just making fun of that idea completely, and I, I totally love it. Um, well, yeah, but I, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get to the ending later. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about before we get to the ending, which I think is... Yeah. There's, like, so much in this movie, right? Like, it's so... <laughs> It's just so much stuff, right? <laughs> and I really loved it for that. Um, I, I want to call out some specific things that I really liked. Uh, the opening of the movie, the first, like, ten minutes, I think is perfect. Like, genuinely, maybe it's per- a perfect yeah. ten minutes of a movie. Yeah, I like, because that, does that include both of the first two songs? Because I think yes, they're my, they're my two favourites. The, the yes. sort of opening song and Skid Row in particular um, are both incredible yeah and and not just the music but the opening shots of this movie are this depressing brown and gray place skid row which is raining and then we have these kind of three uh singers these three female singers who are you know singing and they're wearing these like electric blue dresses and they're like parading through and doing this like upbeat song about you know about uh, setting the stage for the for the movie. I mean, they remind me of the three fates from Hercules, right? Yes, like it, it's, exactly. It's like three it so, narrator yeah. singers. I was like, oh, is this what is this happening again? Why do we have three narrator singers again? I I loved it in Hercules, and I loved it even more in this because yeah. it's so 
musically and and just bizarre like it's storming outside in in skid row and they're just kind of walking through the storm and not getting wet and it's this cool little practical effect where they're just not getting wet in the rain and you're just like yeah they're just like these weird musical spirits that are that are guiding us through this movie and it's so (laughs) engaging yeah yeah i agree they they you're right they stand out very visually and it's a fun way to just exposit through so like song and i think like because that's something like as you said like the setting of this movie is meant to be a very bleak yes place and in fact like tonally everything about the the story should be very kind of downcast <laughs> it's a really depressing but, movie right yeah, like but, but nothing the music goes is well so fun and um i don't know if there's a technical term for like boppy but, yeah, but like, I a- wrote Boppy as well. I okay. wrote, let me read out the specific line in my notes. I said, the Skid Row song is also so fucking bopping. It was like <laughs> one of my first notes about this. Yeah, like it's it's just such a fun, high energy yeah. musical. And, and I mean, it's it like, I, I think that that contrasts really well. Like that, it just makes it fun. Otherwise, yeah, I think this could be just a real depressing story. Yeah, because it is. it is a sad story, right? <laughs> um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that stuff. Um, I want to talk about... Uh, actually, what do I want to talk about? Let's, I, yeah, I, I think the way to sum up how I feel about this movie is it takes that kind of, like, campy, dart-up-to-eleven-ness of musicals and transposes it really, really well into a movie. That's, like, my thesis statement for this movie. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, I, I mean, that hasn't really come up yet. Like, we, we're talking about a movie of a stage musical yes. and i guess just because this movie captured the essence of a stage musical so well i didn't even think to con- like it didn't even yeah. really occur to me that we didn't watch it on stage i mean obviously i know i didn't watch it on stage yes. but you know what i mean like yeah it didn't feel like a movie musical it just felt like a like a stage musical yes it really like musical adaptations to movies don't always work very well right i mean you've got the tim burton sweeney todd which is pretty good and then you've got like les mis or god forbid cats and they're like (laughs) whatever right but this is like this is probably of all the ones that i've seen the best translation of a musical into a movie it just works so well yeah i'm kind of interested now to try and see if i can see it on stage to see how it compares because i feel like i may not necessarily feel like it's that different Whereas you're right, you know, you see, you, you see the movie and the stage version of Lemis, and they feel very, very distinct. So let me give you a weird point of comparison because I tried to watch this movie on Amazon Prime, and on Amazon Prime they have a movie called Little Shop of Horrors, but it's from 1960, and it's actually the original black comedy kind of cult classic movie that the musical was then based on. That this movie was then based on the musical. Right. Oh, so this is one of those full circle type It's deals. gone a full circle, yes. And the original movie is, obviously it's the same plot-ish, uh, there's differences, um, but it's so interesting. Uh, looking, tracking the trajectory of this, what is a kind of, it's a black comedy, so it's still quite a, f- like aiming to be quite a funny movie, but it- Was the original, was the 1961, was it also a musical? No, it wasn't. Okay, so it's kind of like if they made Heather's, the- the musical into a movie yes exactly okay um yeah and and that's a good explanation because heather's the movie is like a bit subtly like it's obviously a a black comedy but it's um it it doesn't like rub its theatricalness in your face the way that the heather's musical does because it's a musical and that's what musicals do right (laughs) so you can imagine the musical movie of heather's would be so different from the original movie yeah um but uh, yeah i 
we've gone off on a weird tangent here, but the point is, like, the translation of, of this into a musical and then back into a movie, I think it, it really was a good decision because it worked so well. Um, yeah. The cast is incredible. Can we talk about Steve Martin, who is such a strange <laughs> character? Yeah. He's, um, yeah, I like the whole dentist bit didn't quite work for oh, me really? as well as, the, <laughs> as much as the rest of the movie. I, I don't know exactly why. I enjoyed that it was Steve Martin. I enjoyed that it was some weird Elvis ripoff thing yeah. for some reason. Um, but I was glad it was really only the one song that he was in. Oh, really? Interesting. I really liked that. So Steve Martin is the abusive boyfriend of, of Audrey. Um, and he he only has one song. And it's after Seymour says something like, oh, he has a job. What kind of job could he ever have? And his song is basically him singing about how he's a psychopath. And so his mother gave him the advice of, if you're going to be a psychopath and hurt somebody, at least turn those skills to use and become a dentist, <laughs> which is a pretty good joke. I mean, I thought it was a pretty funny joke, uh, but it does go on a bit long, I think. Um, and then the the bit with Bill Murray, where Bill Murray is like this sadistic, yeah, that was funny. Uh, uh, sorry, masochistic, yeah, like dental patient, and gets off on the sadism that uh, that uh, Steve Martin's dentist is inflicting on him. It's really weird. Like this movie just goes into a lot of weird little skits that I found very enjoyable. I mean, that skit does sort of establish something because uh, it really pisses off Steve Martin that yes. Bill Murray is enjoying the pain. Like, that's you really establish there that what he likes is hurting people. He not, likes hurting people, exactly. Yeah. Like, and it has to be has to be causing them emotional pain as well as physical. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just a good cast, I guess, is the point I was going to make there. Um, the, <laughs> the voice of Audrey 2... A guy called Levi Stubbs, who voices the plant Audrey Two, has such an incredible voice, um, and his singing voice is also incredible. And I just really enjoyed his performance. I really enjoyed <laughs> all the performances. Rick Moranis, great. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all it's all good shit, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. We actually didn't touch on the fact the plant is named uh, the Audrey Two, <laughs> yes. which is just kind of again hilarious and just shows how not on the ball Audrey and Seymour really are with their feelings for each other. That, that that doesn't click for either of them. Yeah. Well, I think Seymour knows why he's called it that, but Audrey's just like, oh, that's adorable, but Seymour's <laughs> out of my league because I have such low self-esteem. <laughs> Actually, one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me was Audrey saying to Seymour, Seymour, you have low self-esteem. You've got to step out of it, which is the exact advice she was just given like five minutes ago. It's yeah, it perfectly sums up what's going on with both of them. Yeah. Um, so it's been hanging over us like a cloud, Elliot. Should we talk about this ending? Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, to give, to give context to everyone listening, what happened was about four days ago, uh, Aqua Buddha got in touch, in touch with me again, just to sort of mention that, um, there's like an original director's cut ending to the film. Um, and the theatrical version has a different one. Um, and I said, because the test audiences reacted really poorly to the ending, basically. you know, another another movie gets hurt by test audiences. Um, I do want to talk about which of the endings is better because there's, I think there's pros and cons to each. But anyway, we'll yeah, that's fair. Uh, but it was funny because then I I got in contact with you. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, just a heads up, there's an alternate ending. Um, and here's a link to it, like because I'd found a On video YouTube, that, that yes. was just the last fifteen minutes that had been changed, and you'd actually watched a copy that had the original that ending. had so the original so ending. you had so to go I was find very the confused. i watched the original ending and was like wow there's a different like there's a, a different ending to this <laughs> <laughs> and that like this it was what they changed it to this is so dour and depressing <laughs> um but then 
yeah. Yeah, I just think it, it's like part of me almost wishes Aqua didn't get in contact with us yeah, because imagine if a- we were figuring this out. <laughs> In, wait, we would be Live figuring it out show, now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would have be been such a fantastic train wreck. Either that or, like, you might have mentioned the ending and I would have sat here being like, did I fall asleep for the last 10 minutes? What's going on? <laughs> did I just assume, like, what should have happened in any musical did happen? In this? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the, the ending that was released theatrically and I'll talk yeah. about the original cut ending afterwards? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, so basically what happens is after pseudo-murdering a couple of people, um seymour decides that he doesn't really want to do this anymore yeah uh so he proposes to audrey uh they agree to run off together um audrey too the the plant overhears this um and kind of well it doesn't quite overhear it but anyway figures it out Mm -hmm. lures audrey in tries to eat her uh seymour manages to save her tries to fight the plan it doesn't really go well um the the plant brings the building down on top of them and Seymour just kind of survives, which is like, at the time I was like, oh, that's weird. And in retrospect, I was like, well, okay, because they changed the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just gets up and electrocutes uh, Audrey 2. Uh, it, yep. it dies. And then he and Audrey 1 uh, run off together and kind of live the perfect life that they had dreamed of. Yes, and, and which is, end. it's very much a idyllic happy ending. Um, yeah. Now, to talk about the original cut ending, I have to mention an earlier song that comes up. A, a yeah. song called Somewhere That's Green, um, which is Audrey's song when she's singing about how she's really unhappy in her current abusive relationship and wishes that she could live in a place like a magazine, right? And she kind of points out this magazine of better homes and gardens and shows off these, like, perfectly, you know, American dream-style yeah. suburban lawns. I was going to say, right? it's that classic, like, 1950s, yes, the American dream. Yes, kind dream. of nuclear family-style American dream thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Down to the fact that when they go to bed, you see their bedroom and they have two twin beds yeah. next to each other, which I really <laughs> admired. Um, that's wild. Um, so so it's it's kind of like a it's her song singing about what she wants t- to do, right? Um, hmm. So the original cut ending differs from the point at which Audrey is lured into the flower shop where Audrey 2 is. Um, Audrey 2 attacks Audrey 1 and Seymour goes in to attempt to save her and pulls her out of Audrey 2's mouth, but she's sustained wounds heavy enough that she dies. Um, So Audrey dies in this, and with her dying breath, she says to Seymour, like, my last gift that I can give to you is for you to feed me to Audrey 2, because then you can continue to be successful and happy, and all I want is for you to be happy. And then she sings a reprise of Somewhere That's Green, implying that her happiness now is being eaten by Audrey 2. And it's the most insane <laughs> reprise. Like, as soon as it started, I was like, oh my god, this is so fucked up. <laughs> it's genuinely the most fucked up thing I've ever seen in a musical, and it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the best, like... Uh, Chekhov's gun kind of reinterpretation of an earlier plot point that I've ever seen. It was incredible. Um, yeah, reprises that like twist on the original re- yeah, meaning yes, of the song are so yes. good. And this this might be the best one I've seen. I'm so glad I got to go back and watch this because yeah, you're right. Like the the inversion of Somewhere Green, I was just like, that's fucking brilliant. Yes, um, it, yeah. it actually is so good that I thought for a moment the whole musical had been written just to have this <laughs> reprise joke in there because it's genuinely that incredible. And it, I was so blindsided by it. And I shouldn't have been considering green is obviously associated with plants and I could have seen that coming, but I just yeah. didn't. Um, no, I, I had the same thing. It was like somewhere green. And I was like, oh. It's obviously. so obvious in <laughs> retrospect, right? Um, yes. 
Um, so then uh, in the original cut ending, uh, Seymour does do this. He goes in and he feeds Audrey to Audrey too. And you get this scene of her kind of slowly sliding into its throat, which is incredibly messed up. And the whole movie from here is pretty messed up. Um, <laughs> then Seymour kind of freaks out uh, because he realizes that Audrey 2's plan is just to um, feast on more and more households and, and that Audrey 2 is going to take over the United States and the world uh, because clippings of Audrey 2 are starting to spread out and, and take off as the popularity of Seymour and this plant take off. Um, and so he tries to fight it and Audrey 2 plays with him for a bit singing a song to him about how much of a mean green plant machine he is and then murders him and then the movie ends with like a five minute montage of these plants just taking over <laughs> the world and kind of spoofing like godzilla and king kong and stuff um it's pretty and it's great. insane and then the movie ends and the, it's genuinely like a five minute long montage set to a song there's no like dialogue or anything it's just kind of humans dying for five minutes it's an insane ending it's it's this bizarre, yeah, you're right, like a sort of homage to Godzilla and other kaiju movies. Like Planet like, of the Apes as well, a bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but, like, you know, they have them climbing over all over the um the Statue of Liberty, which is obviously yes. a must in any disaster yes. film. Yes. Uh, you've got to knock over the Statue of Liberty. Uh, yeah, like, it, it, <laughs> it was just, like, it was so bizarre sitting down a couple of days later to watch this alternate ending and just being like, man, what the hell happened here? Like, it's so different. <laughs> it's really different. And I get why they changed it because I mm. actually think the final five minutes montage uh, is too much for this movie. <laughs> it is too much. Um, I think the ending of Audrey dying and the reprise of Somewhere That's Green is so good, but I actually do think it would be better if it either Seymour escapes alive, but Audrey 2 still takes over the world and we don't see a whole montage or just... Seymour dies and that's kind of the end and then it's implied that Audrey 2 takes over the world. Like, I don't know. It, it went a bit long, I think. <laughs> I, I would agree that it was maybe excessively long. Um, but I think, yeah. like, as an ending, it does wake, make way more sense for us to see the plants take yes. over the world. because it feels thematically more on point for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, as we sort of touched on, this this movie doesn't deal with subtlety and the obvious yeah, true. That, that that's going on here is that Seymour is you know putting his morals aside to get rich and famous and putting um, the entire human race aside right yeah well like, exactly and that, that's the thing he puts his humanity aside and and that results in humanity getting eaten by plants you know of course um yeah. and and so well, yeah i don't know and again you get that somewhere green reprise so i think like if if it was my job to tweak the ending i'd maybe just yeah. cut a couple of shots from the ending montage um, yeah. of the plants but there was, I think it's a much more solid ending. <laughs> I agree. There was one shot in that I really liked as well, which is when there's some military guys shooting at the plants and one of them just clearly mouths, what the fuck? And there's no audio to it, but he's clearly mouthing it. And it's so funny. Um, yeah. And that's this movie. I mean, it's like, yeah, the summary of this movie is just take every trope about a musical, take a what is quite a unique story about a guy finding a strange alien plant that gives him, you know, fame and fortune at a cost of <laughs> making him a murderer and just, like, play it up 100%. And, and it turns into this great combination. Yeah, you're right. It's such a bizarre storyline. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? I, I wonder, like, I, I didn't watch the entirety of the original movie, but I should have gone back and watched more of it because I'm so curious. I know there are parts that are changed, and I was reading through it and, and, and kind of skipping around through it, um, and there's things like uh, 
in the original movie, Audrey 2, or it's called Audrey Jr. in the original movie, um, dies, but eats Seymour. And um, actually, there's this funny thing where all the people that he's fed to Audrey Jr., they, you know, at the end of this movie, okay, all right, I just got to explain this. At the end of this movie, when Audrey 2 is singing the Mean Green Plant Machine song, and yeah. the kind of buds come out and start singing along with him. I love that bit, yeah. It's great. It's such a good bit. Um, so Audrey Jr. also has buds, and when they open in the original movie, they don't sing, obviously, but they've got, like, the faces of all the people that have been fed to Audrey Jr. Um, ah. And that's how people find out that Seymour has murdered people, is because Mushnik and, and the dentist, like, their faces appear in these buds, and everyone's like, oh, shit, Seymour, you've murdered people and fed them to this plant. <laughs> um, and the movie ends with uh, Seymour attacking Audrey Jr., dying in the process and getting eaten by it but also killing it and then his a bud with his face comes out and says oh i didn't mean it i'm so sorry and then audrey 2 dies and that's the end of the movie it's a bizarre ending but hmm. it's very 60s um <laughs> and i forgot what the point of this <laughs> what the point of this <laughs> tangent was but it's just fun, fun to think about the original movie and the stuff that's changed i guess yeah like that little detail changing it from audrey jr to audrey 2 mm. Mm. Is, I think I think summarizes how the musical just dials everything up to eleven because it's yes. objectively stupid a name. Yes, um, it is, and I love it. Yeah, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Like genuinely, I loved it so much. It's it's gone up into one of my favorite movies of all time now, just because it's so. It's designed to appeal to every stupid person who loves <laughs> musical theater, right? Like it's just the perfect combination of musical theater bits. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so let's give it a number, Elliot. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, like, did we oh, yeah. did we say what our favorite songs are? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we we promised that. I mean, there actually are some really good songs in here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first two songs you mentioned, there's one called Prologue, uh, or Little Shop of Horrors, and there's one called Downtown, which they're both like very very good songs. Um. There's some other quite famous ones, like Suddenly Seymour and Somewhere That's Green, I think are songs that are more famous from this movie. Yeah, I mean, and they're all good. They are good. Um, I like Grow For Me, which is the song where Seymour's trying to figure out what to feed it. Um, that's quite a good one. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm going to go boring and just say Skid Row, like Downtown mm, was my That might be song. the best song in there, yeah. Um, it, it seems like the obvious pick, but yeah. Um, oh, yeah I, yeah, I was surprised like how, how fun all this all the music was in this. Yeah, maybe to help give a bit of a rating for context, on Spotify I maintain a playlist of songs that I like from musicals. It's called Musicals But Only The Good Songs. And every time I find a new musical that I love, each musical gets a score based on what proportion of songs in its soundtrack go onto this playlist, right? It's my kind of metric for how good a musical is. Makes sense. And there's 13 songs in the original motion picture soundtrack, and uh, nine of them have gotten into musicals but only the good songs so that's a pretty good score yeah that's that's pretty solid yeah quite a high score i have to i have to get a copy of this playlist off of you i mean it's got some good stuff that. in there yeah it's got some good stuff in there. a lot of I'm... crazy ex-girlfriend songs in there as well which yeah. technically count i think <laughs> okay i've got a similar one but it's just disney musicals i've got some moana in there it's all right. nice, um, nice. anyway so nine songs made it in and so i think it's fair to give this movie a nine out of ten and i know that's very high but i actually just really love this movie elliot <laughs> yeah okay um i i was i was gonna go for eight i i really loved it but um it didn't it didn't quite tickle me as much as you from the sounds of it mm, yeah uh just 
it's just a ridiculous movie and I just, you just need to <laughs> yeah. celebrate movies like this when they come along you know <laughs> movies that are willing to just be completely ridiculous yeah i think i saw they're doing a new version of it as well so that'll be interesting yes i yes we shall see we shall see you never know with these kinds of things right no exactly the the remake could recapture it or it could just be shit i guess we'll see yeah we will see um but enough about little shop of horrors elliot what are we talking about next fortnight well don't question because it's my turn to prescribe something to you (laughs) um so elliot i'm gonna do you know what i really admire okay so on the Doof Media the Network, we've got a this? new show. <laughs> we've got a new show. We've got a new show called "We Want More." That's joined. It's the I think the baby show on the Doof Media Network. It's the newest one. Maybe Kingslingers is a little newer, but basically the newest show on the network. Sure, sure. And for those of you who have never listened to "We Want More," one of the hosts of that show delights in upsetting his audience, um, and I really admire that kind of attitude. So here's where <laughs> yeah, I'm going ha- with this. That's so different to 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 yourself. Yeah. Do you remember we did an episode on the Adventure Zone ages ago, Elliot? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was so good. And I've just, I've got to tell you, I've unsubscribed the Adventure Zone recently because I just can't get into it anymore. Here's where I'm going with this, Elliot. It's a long (laughs) path toward getting there. I found this new show that is an actual play D&D podcast, and I'm so into it. And I'm just going to stake my claim right here that it is going to upset the Adventure Zone as the best actual play um, content that I've ever seen. Okay. Okay. And that's what I mean, we're talking about today. Actual play, you know, even if you get as specific as D and D podcasts, there's a couple yes. of them out there. Um, and there are some really, obviously, the famous ones: The Adventure Zone, Critical Role, are the big kind of hitters, yeah. I think. But you know, Hello from the Magic Tavern is obviously big as well. And there's, there's a ton. Um, um, is film film reroll? I listened to a few episodes. Oh yeah, of. film reroll is pretty famous. That's a good yeah. one too. Um, this is a show uh, called Fantasy High. <laughs> Okay. It's a 18 episode long uh, video series. I don't think there's an audio only version of it, but you can watch it all for free on YouTube. Um, it's put together by College Humor. Um, each episode is about an hour and a half to two hours long. And it's basically high, you know, high fantasy D&D, but set in a kind of John Hughes, like coming of age style film. So the characters are all teenagers, you know, 14 to 16, going to a magical high school. And they are tasked or they kind of find themselves embroiled in a mystery that they have to solve. Um, and of course, they're orcs and half elves and whatever and, and humans and paladins and clerics and fantasy whatevers. Um, and that's kind of the setting. Uh, and that's an OK set. Like, it's it's funny. It's been done before a few times, but it's OK. Um, in fact, the current season of the Adventure Zone basically is that. Is that yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the characters on this it's like a party of six plus their dungeon master. They're just all so good. They're all genuinely so, so good in their own very different ways. And we'll talk about it, rest assured, uh, in a fortnight. Um, all the characters are genuinely both hilarious and very, very compelling, like emotionally compelling to watch. Um, and the dungeon master, whose name is uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, I think it is, or Brendan Lee Mulligan, um, is the best I've ever seen, I think I can say. Um, people have their Matt Mercers and their Griffin McElroys, but I'm a, a Brendan Lee Mulligan stan now, I think. Um, and you'll see this. I, I, I want you to watch at least the first two episodes, which is like three and a half hours of content or so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you will see what I mean just from the first two episodes, because there are some, first of all, the story is already so compelling and the characters even in two episodes are incredibly engaging, but the, the pure strength of the dungeon mastery by, by uh, Mr. Lee Mulligan is so, so strong. You'll be hooked. I guarantee you'll be hooked, Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so the the footage, mm-hmm. it's it's not like it's just them around the table, right? It's not like fully animated or no, anything. No, it's them yeah. around the table. Uh, there is um, like miniatures, so they they represent yep. the play with miniatures. And there's also some little animated bits and pieces. So, for example, every time a new character is introduced, there's a little like drawing of them and some details and it's kind of like it's produced like it's highly produced sure uh, but it's mostly you know seven people around a table yeah okay i was just wondering because um we've also talked about uh harman quest, Harman on quest here. yes yeah. another great show uh but <laughs> a funny show i don't think it's as funny as early taz or as harman quest but as story-wise engaging as late taz you know <laughs> it's the best of both tazes and i think that's why it's so good yeah, I, I that'll be interesting to check out because I think I have, um, you know, oftentimes sort of talked about how I feel like Taz was best when it was more humor focused. Mm-hmm. I never quite got into it becoming more story focused, um, but something that is doing that from the start might sort of scratch that itch for me better. I don't know. Doing yeah, doing that from the start and clearly with people who are all like comedy writers or mm. or like um like comedic improvisers or stand-up comedians or kind of, you know, they're all writers for college humor, right? So they've they're yeah. obviously whatever your relationship with that website is, these are people who do comedy as a job, right? And so they're used to improvising. They're used to making things funny and compelling kind of emotionally. Um, and it they're able to just make this story so funny and yet flow in such a natural and authentic way that it's genuinely so well-crafted. Um Mm. And we'll talk about that more in a fortnight when you, I can point at some tangible examples that you will have seen. <laughs> yes. And of course, I'll, I'll have to be taking notes on this because, you know, I was talking about how many actual play podcasts there are around there. Um, we'll be launching our own short-lived one yes. of those soon, right? So I'll Yes. Have to- I actually have put together a trailer that we'll, I might voice and release soon, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, if, if, if there's not enough actual play podcasts out there for you, then how? Because uh, there's more than uh, yeah, oh. there's so many <laughs> behind many. behind uh, true crime. It's probably the second most popular genre, <laughs> right? Of podcast. Yeah, and, uh, and so we will be dabbling as is. Exp- I don't know, obligatory. I guess yep. at this point. Um, but yeah, wait, uh, Elliot. I'm excited to check this out. Elliot, you know what this means? Dorf Media needs to do a true tr- a true crime podcast. <laughs> it's just occurred to me. Yeah, wait, nobody, we need nobody's to done one. Yeah, we need to figure out. What crime we would focus on, though? Would it have to be mm. doof related? It would. Which I don't like know what that means. Parahumans related, maybe. I don't know what's a parahumans related crime that we could solve. Hmm. We'll have to think on this and find yeah. people to interview. Um, if you have thoughts about what parahumans related crime we could solve, you should email them to us at mediamdpodcast at gmail dot com or thoughts about um, thoughts about. Uh, little shop of horrors or about fantasy high or really just about anything we're, we're not picky we'll, we'll listen to your emails why not yes uh and if you like media md if you like we want more any of the other shows on the doof media network if mm-hmm. you're desperate to see that doof true crime show that we've all yep. been waiting for oh yeah um head on over to patreon.com forward slash doof media uh you can see all the perks there i'm sure you know if you just 
join and then and then spam us with messages about how we need to do a true crime thing it'll it'll happen quicker mm-hmm. um yep. so that's how it yeah. works Let we do know. whatever the commenters say <laughs> yeah S- small vocal minorities really yeah, drive that's drive where, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. we read all those comments um it's worse <laughs> than what season three of arrow up in here um <laughs> <laughs> that's a very specific reference yeah that's fucking niche i love it <laughs> if you want to engage more with the show head on to patreon.com forward slash doof media uh, all of the doof media shows are supported by our wonderful listeners um listeners like aquabuddha who showed mm. us this great uh musical movie um yeah so if you want to be like aquabuddha go to patreon.com forward slash doof media and support the network yeah um and you know chuck us a review on itunes i guess yeah. if you haven't done that already uh and you're listening this far in because that helps us get seen by more people and yeah totally and grow heck yeah um so yeah find you can find links to all those things we talked about our email twitter uh the doof patron all that stuff on the website which is doofmedia.com uh you can also find there all of the previous clues for the media md arg where you can help us figure out just who is dr md and why is his reprise so sad Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Rechargeable batteries. Rechargeable batteries. And we'll see you next fortnight.